Well, if you're one of the millions or indeed billions of people who watch sport or use social media, you'll have noticed ad after ad after ad for gambling, alcohol and junk food. A new study has found that Facebook and Instagram have systematically targeted more than 90% of Australian teens who use those apps with ads for alcohol and junk food after secretly monitoring their online activity. Independent Senator David Pocock wants something done about this. He joins me now. Welcome to you, Senator. Hi, Andy. Great to be with you. You attended a roundtable of experts in this space today. What did they identify as being the key challenges? Is it the, the regulations of the companies that advertise or is it somehow how social media platforms are collecting and manipulating uh, some of our data, particularly that of children? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's both things. You know, it starts with the data, data and, and the privacy around that. We know that social media companies are collecting a huge amount of data from young people that are using these platforms. We knew that they were then using that once they turned 18 to target them with you know, gambling and alcohol ads. We now know that they are seeing these ads before they turn 18. How so do we know that? What sort of data do we have? Because that would be no doubt commercial in confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the big problems that was talked about is researchers don't necessarily have access to this data and it's only working with young people who are able to provide the ads that are being served to them that they've been able to put this study together. And you know, given the current debate around gambling advertising, and I think you broaden that out and you, you start talking about alcohol, junk food and gambling, you know, three things that I think most people would agree, young people shouldn't be seeing ads for those things. There's huge social uh, issues and, you know, we've, we've heard from groups like Gamblers Anonymous saying that they're seeing an increase in young people addicted to online gambling. So this is clearly something that seems politically taboo or or very inconvenient to talk about, but we've got to be talking about this and not just talking about it and having inquiries, but starting to have the right um, sort of legislation in place that ensures that we are protecting young people's data to start with, but then also ensuring that they're not seeing these sorts of ads. In your sporting days, you would have seen the, the firsthand, really, the, the sheer scale of gambling and alcohol ads. Uh, were there representatives from sporting organisations at today's roundtable? Do you think they are part of the solution? They, they clearly are, are part of this conversation. Today was sitting down with researchers, academics, frontline uh, organisations across the country to, to talk about... Uh, these issues, starting with privacy around data and then also to, you know, the kinds of ads that, that people are being served and particularly young people are being served. Uh, Senator, you've spoken about reform to gambling companies uh, st- and stopping them from advertising to children, but they still can donate to political parties. What's your reaction to Michelle Rowland taking donations from Sportsbet? Well, I think that's probably the starting point for reform. And nothing that, as I understand, nothing that the minister did was illegal. Doesn't mean it's right. And I think the community expectation is that politicians will not just fess up when they get caught out like we've seen, but you know, currently there's the numbers in the parliament and in the Senate to actually tackle these issues 
that Australians want dealt with. People should have the confidence uh, and, and faith in their political leaders that they are making decisions that are in the best interest of all of us, not someone who's hosted a, a dinner and, and swung some money into your campaign. Like we can, we can deal with this. We, we can actually have far more transparency and checks and balances to ensure that politicians are making decisions that serve all of us. It's 11 past five on RN Drive. Independent Senator David Pocock is joining me. Uh, on the safeguard mechanism, Senator, you said last week that this policy is a massive, complicated beast. You hosted two roundtables on the proposed changes to the policy yesterday. H- who did you consult with? Cool. Uh, so we had two two roundtables, you know, industry, uh, the sort of peak, peak bodies for mining, manufacturing, and then think tanks, uh, I guess environmental groups, really getting the, the broad uh, spectrum of, of views on, on what is a very complicated mechanism and clearly something that I think needs work. It's, it's really important that we get this right. We have to ensure that this actually reduces emissions. There's, as we've seen in the past, when you have such a complicated uh, mechanism, there's a lot of wiggle room and you can use loopholes to not reduce emissions. So really looking at it in terms of integrity and it needs to do what it's sort of setting out to do, which is to lower emissions. And for me, you know, one of the starting off points for that is as it's currently uh, proposed by the government, Australia will join Kazakhstan as the only two countries in the world that l- allow polluters to just offset 100% of their emissions should they want or need to. Every other country has some sort of uh, percentage uh, to, to limit that. So as a starting point, I think that, that points out to just how much we need to ensure that this is good policy and it's, it's doing what it sets out to achieve. You mentioned loopholes, which don't go to reducing primary emissions. I mean, we know that, uh, I think the ACL released last year that one in five carbon credits are junk. Are, are, you, are you interested in seeing reform about the carbon credit scheme in Australia? I've, I've been vocal about integrity of carbon credits. This is a, this is a massive opportunity for uh, farmers, for landholders, you know, Indigenous protected areas, uh, they should be rewarded for sequestering carbon, for storing carbon, but that has to be genuine. The, the whole system uh, is called into question if we have a significant you know, percentage of credits that are, are questionable. So you know, the, the government had the Chubb review into this. They largely said that they were okay with it, but have suggested a number of improvements. I, I want to see those improvements implemented. The other thing that they uh, suggest, this is getting into the weeds a little bit, is that the government should release these carbon estimation areas, uh, which would basically allow you know, any researcher or person who knows what they're doing to verify what the government is telling us. And I think that's a great transparency measure, particularly when it comes to something so big as the safeguard mechanism, which is, is you know, meant to do so much heavy lifting when it comes to uh, emissions reductions, 
there should be transparency about that information. It shouldn't be held by the government and the clean energy regulators saying everything's okay. If that's the case, then we can get people to verify that, and, and that sort of ends that ends that conversation. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see the government move on making that information publicly available. You've really brought a level of pragmatism to Parliament, and certainly it is about compromise where compromise can be made. What do you think of Adam Bant, the Greens leader's support uh, of, of no new coal and gas? I mean, do you agree with that position? Politically, not, you know, in the, in the scientific sense. <laughs> I mean, I was about to say, climate scientists have been very clear that that's, that's, that's what we need to do. My sense speaking to people through the campaign and, and you know, getting out into the community is pe- people are so frustrated with the way that these big issues have been so polarised, which has meant that we haven't had the action that we, we should have had. We, we've squandered, you know, a, a good decade or so. So the way I'm approaching it is I, I'm going to be pragmatic. Uh, I'm going to work constructively. But clearly there's this, th- there do need to be a lot of improvements to this legislation if it's going to do what it's setting out to do. But, you know, I've been, I've been consulting. We had the roundtables. I'll continue to talk to the government about my concerns and, and sort of negotiate in in good faith. I'm certainly not sort of publicly airing any any red lines at this stage. I do need to ask you about superannuation. You're urging the government to bring on changes to the superannuation tax concessions. What's your case for that? Well, the government's obviously flagged some super potential changes. There, there's a couple of things that I think well, one thing that can happen should happen quickly, and, and that is moving uh, to pay super in line with pay cycles rather than quarterly. People across the country are missing out on on super, and I think this is one thing that would would help make it a bit more simple, where you have your pay slip and you can see your your super alongside it. When it comes to tax concessions, uh, you know we, we're talking fifty three billion dollars. Uh, a year, and if if the the purpose of super is for people to be able to retire after their working life and live off that, uh, you know th- that's one thing. But having thirty two self managed accounts with more than a hundred million dollars in them, I think that's that's a whole nother thing. And there there are people who are using the system you know, because they can. <laughs> um, to reduce their, their their tax burden and the tax, all everyone else is having to foot that bill. So, you know, I think at a, at a time where so many people are doing it tough across the country, you know, the, the the cost of living crunch is being felt. We have to look at ways uh, to, you know, I guess spread that spread that burden and and ensure that we are closing some of these loopholes that are being exploited. We'll have to leave it there. Senator David Pocock, appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks, Andy. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.